0: Greetings and a very special welcome to Season 2, Episode 1 of the NASPO Pulse. In case you're new, this is the podcast we are monitoring issues in state procurement. We've got our finger on the pulse. I'm Kevin Miner.
1: And I'm Amanda Valdivieso.
0: Amanda is the Learning and Development Coordinator on NASPO's Professional Development Team. And I'm also the new co-host for the Procurement Pulse. And Amanda, we are so excited to have you. Why don't you tell the listeners a little bit about yourself?
1: Of course. And I could obviously go into my educational background, professional background, but I've already gotten the job. So let's (laughs) talk a little bit about my personal stuff. Let's get to know the real you. Exactly. So first and foremost, I live in the great state of Kentucky where NASPO is headquartered. I know, right? And I'm married with a beautiful five-year-old daughter and we have three Extremely hairy animals that shed constantly, mm-hmm. so I'm always vacuuming. So if you're not, if I'm not at work, I'm probably vacuuming my house. <laughs> uh, I'm addicted to fitness and Diet Coke, and I love to watch and learn everything I can about movies.
0: Absolutely, Amanda. What is your favorite movie right now?
1: Something that I would watch over and over again.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: For me, my favorite—I wouldn't say it just was one movie, but it's the Lord of the Rings trilogy. By far, it's my favorite. Okay. I mean, That's I say it all the time. It is, I could watch those three movies over and over again and never get tired of them
0: Well that's exciting
1: I'm very excited to be here
0: You know what else is exciting Amanda?
1: I don't know Kevin, what could be more exciting than that?
0: Well, that's a good question Today is our first episode of our second season of The Pulse So it's only fitting that we talk with, drumroll please, Roz Ingram
1: Oh, yeah. Roz is the Director of State Purchasing and Chief Procurement Officer for the state of Florida, and she's also our 2021 Board President.
0: Yes. We discuss Roz's responsibilities in the state of Florida, her priorities and vision, in her leadership role for 2021.
1: And don't forget some of the challenges and successes CPOs have seen over the past year.
0: We're also going to talk with Roz about what she's most looking forward to this year within NASPO and the public procurement profession.
1: Email us with your questions and comments at podcast at naspo.org. If you haven't already, make sure you subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, or wherever you get your podcast needs. And make sure to check out NASPO blog, pulse.naspo.org, and catch up on some procurement articles written by your very own NASPO staff.
0: Let's take that pulse. Roz, thank you for joining me today. How are you?
1: I'm doing very well, thank you.
0: Roz, you are the Chief Procurement Officer and Director of State Purchasing for the great state of Florida. Can you give us some overview of your responsibilities?
2: Absolutely. So like other CPOs, uh, I'm responsible for the procurement in the state of Florida. Some of those Duties have been delegated to state agencies, but we still hold policy and rule. And I'm also over the Office of Supplier Diversity, like other states, that we have issues with bringing in more diverse uh, vendors to be able to extend our base for competition. I also have the e-procurement system in Florida. It's the my Florida marketplace system. It's one of the most robust in the nation. We're really Mm -hmm. proud of that. And I would say, lastly, and equally important to the other areas, would be the the training unit that we have built over time. We have certifications in the state of Florida for contract management, for contract negotiators. I am mm-hmm. also the oversight for the uh, project management professionals. So that's mostly it in a nutshell.
0: Uh, mostly uh, those those are that's quite a few responsibilities.
2: Yeah, I don't think it's a whole lot different than other states, you know, ours because sure. of the size of our state, we might have more of certain things, but I think we all face a lot of the same.
0: What was some of your uh, experience in state government that led you to the chief procurement officer role?
2: That is an interesting question. I started out in operations. For many years. Uh, I worked in a legal office uh, early, very early in my state career. Then I went to operations, which I really enjoyed. But I found that operations can only be successful when you have things that surround operations that are also successful. So procurement, I sort of slowly moved into procurement over time. And for the last, probably the last 15 to 18 years, have been either 50% aligned or 100% aligned just in procurement.
0: Wow. Yeah, that's one thing about working at NASPO that I have learned in my short time is that procurement seems to choose you.
2: I know a few people who who actually came into it on purpose, but most people (laughs) fall into it as an accident or maybe because it was the job that was available at the time when they first started. And then they got a passion for it. Actually, one of my bureau chiefs was like that. She was very young when she started. I think she might've come in the state when she was 19 or 20 and sort of fell into a lower level procurement position and really liked it. So decided, made a conscious effort and decision to make it her career. And she's done very well.
0: It's not an easy path to walk. It takes a special kind of person, I think.
2: Well, to keep it interesting, because some of the stuff we do is so dry, yeah. That you have to be able to find a way, use humor, use activities, use something that can mm-hmm. engage your people. If you don't engage your people and motivate them, they're just going to die on the vine and then they will leave and some yeah. leave if they're not motivated.
0: Yeah. I think that's probably one, one of the many reasons that that training aspect is so important. It really keeps it interesting, keeps it updated. And, and you know, it's difficult to keep training interesting and engaging. So it is, though.
2: and I think that i that's one of the things we're really thankful for with NASPO is to have the ProDev funds so that we can engage in different types of training that we normally couldn't do. In the state of Florida, we have something called a certified public manager, and it's a, a very lengthy process to be certified, and I've been able to send quite a few people to that. I had someone who was really shy so i sent her to toastmasters so she could work with other agencies in her role so there's a lot of prodev has really helped with that
0: right a lot of lot of uh, growth there individual growth
2: where other people may not be able to do it right now in right. agencies and other careers
0: right so you're also along with all those responsibilities like that's not enough you are also the 2021 naspo board president and that in and of itself is a major responsibility what do you envision in your leadership role for 2021?
2: I think that there, you know, every year when you come into it, and I've talked to past presidents, you know, they're trying to figure out what's the best thing to look at. And and this year it was a lot easier because of what happened last year. You know, George right. had it tough trying to trying to work through the pandemic and and he was perfectly aligned to do that being in DC. And mm-hmm. so I try to sort of some of the things I'm looking at this year is sort of piggyback on some of the things hidden and, and then broaden them. So a couple of the things that I'm really concerned with as far as making them a priority for me during my tenure is in advancing the CPO's uh, spotlight during these issues. So there's some states were not able to engage in the pan- pandemic like I was. And I
1: think mm-hmm.
2: trying to find a path for them to be able to do that is important. Um, I think that working with technology, I think we've all seen that technology is not going away as much as I wanted it to for many, many years. Right. (laughs) If we don't keep up with it, then procurement's falling behind. So I would like to work with NASIO and figure out some things that we could do to align better with technology. And then internally, I'd like to look at some, what we already have consolidated some committee assignments to make it a little more. Um, streamlined, and we're looking mm-hmm. at aligning, also aligning value point with NASPO is a little bit more with the boards.
0: Right. And and it's it's still pretty early in the year, right? So, I mean, definitely getting underway. Maybe we can do another podcast towards the end of the year.
2: I think that some of the work that we're going to do won't be done this year that I want to try to start, but so I'll have to leave, leave it with Delbert next year to finish up some of them if he chooses to do so. But some of the things just like with procurement, they can't, they don't go as fast as you would like them to move.
0: Absolutely. And I'll, uh, shout out to, uh, George shutter, who is our immediate past president. He is the chief procurement officer of DC and shout out to Delbert Singleton, who is our upcoming. He's the 2022 president. And he is in South Carolina. So, so, so you you mentioned you mentioned that you wanted the advancement of some CPO engagement at a statewide level. Can you talk just a little bit more about what that means?
2: Yes, thank you for the question. Uh, we are looking at well, we are rolling out a toolkit for CPOs, and we have done this before. And we've tried to send information, particularly to new CPOs, but sometimes with CPOs who just aren't sure how to engage in difficult conversations. So this toolkit has all the regular information in it. And then we folded in an additional piece that talks about how NASPO aligns with other organizations similar to us. And so the people who are fearful, because there's always people who are fearful of an, an organization that you know gives its members funding to do something, right? So we want to be able to explain, right. no, this is how we operate. It's a C3, everything's cool, but we need some. We needed something to send out. So that's also going to the toolkit. We're hoping that if a lot of this information is shared with different people within their states, they will be able to be included in more decision-making where it could have a broader impact.
0: You know, I think that's especially important and, and maybe even looks a little bit different than it did A year or two years ago at this time, right? Post-COVID-19.
2: Yes. I think that right now, um, we are a lot of different states, including our own, are going to begin audits on Mm -hmm. all of the spend for COVID, even though everybody was operating under a declaration of emergency, but there's still going to be questions we answer. And so I think that combining having the CPO more engaged along with some of the technology needs to streamline we could get to a place that it's easier to just press the button and know exactly what's been spent and how it's been done.
0: So you mentioned promoting the technology and advancing technology, and I think that's extremely important now. It, it, it's always been important, but especially now we have all of these virtual aspects that don't look like they're going anywhere. I know that you're working to straight strengthen the relationship with uh, NASIO this year. Can you talk about that just a little bit?
2: Absolutely. Uh, first, anytime anyone that knows me hears me talking about technology, I'm sure they have to smile a little bit because they know how uh, much of a technophobe I am. Right. However, even given that, I'm not I'm not going to live with my head under a rock forever. So I understand we have got to be stronger in this area. And Nacio has been very good about working with us, uh, volunteering to speak at issues regarding different IT issues and cybersecurity and things like that. And we're already getting them scheduled in. But what I wanna do is sort of work with them collaboratively on how we can strengthen procurement surrounding the fluidity fluidity of that industry. Because right now we can't keep up with the changes based on how we're doing procurement. a couple of different things come to mind, indemnification mm-hmm. and warranty security of data and all of that kind of stuff. We got to figure out a way to get some T's and C's in place that protect the state yet allow the vendors to do what they need to do to get things done.
0: Absolutely. And and for those that don't know, NASIO is the National Association of State Chief Information Officers. And Roz, what does the relationship with a chief information officer look like now? Has that changed in in the past year?
2: It has. uh, I think that probably the biggest change when the pandemic hit, as you know, a lot of things just automatically went virtual. And some of the way that the um, infrastructure was set up. They couldn't handle that load, right? Nobody planned for that load to happen with Right, right, hour,
0: exactly. Two
2: weeks, everybody, woohoo, we got the go virtual. <laughs> so I think that we learned a lot of things. We learned where some of the gaps are, where our security attacks could come from. I think that it engaged the CIOs a little more formally with their uh, offices of emergency management to try to protect everything that we have out there. And I think that that's just going to get stronger over time. I know that our CI our statewide CIO is working somewhat with the vaccinations, trying to make sure that we have the system set up for reservations and things right.
0: like that. So I so that relationship with the CIOs is, is gonna be really helpful and that's something that we'll definitely be monitoring. Ross, what do you think the biggest challenge of state procurement is right now? Is that, that is it that cybersecurity element or or what?
2: Well, I believe that the cybersecurity element will affect everything we do. I also believe very strongly that the budget constraints that have been, that Mm. are now not being met, you know, a lot of extra money was spent last year and continues to be spent now. And we still have ongoing things that we have to fund. So I think being able to figure out a way through procurement and downtown priorities to how we're going to fund different things, we may have to look at, um, we may have to look at, different ways of doing things. We might have to look at shorter contracts. We don't know what that's going to mean. There's just a lot of, with budget constraints, we don't know what that, the on years outlay will be. So I think that's going to be, I would say three years out from here is going to be an issue.
0: Oh, wow. So that you're, you, but you have to start preparing for that now. Yes along with that, and, and every state has, has handled this, um, you know, a little bit differently, as much as it's been the same, it's been different. You're also moving out of the um, emergency response phase, right? I mean, we're still distributing vaccines, but we're kind of moving away from the emergency procurement process. What does that look like for you guys?
2: Well, every agency in the state, the way it's done in Florida, has the ability to the, the governor still has the emergency order in place. So he's okay.
1: a,
0: he,
2: that deck is out there. But each agency can sort of pull back and go to their regular procurement processes at any time. And most have. OK, you know, we're, we're not doing. Of course, DEM is not Division of Emergency Management. They have to continue to do a lot of things under the executive order. But most of the other agencies have moved back to typical procurement.
0: What are some of the bigger successes that you've seen from the the past year in procurement? What did, what did we get right?
2: Well, I think some of the things that I thought went very well, at least in the state of Florida, we had, um, I was tied in very closely. I was actually at the EOC for almost six months every day. We had 12 hour days, six days a week. They did give mm-hmm. us a day off after the first month, so we got one one day off <laughs> a week. Right, but we were tied in early, and I think that those states that were tied in early, it helped them kind of know sort of what was coming and what we were doing. I think my team also uh, developed a, a just like every other state, we got thousands of inquiries about I have masks, I have face shields, I have this. Thousands And I'm not that is not an exaggeration for the first. Yeah. months, I, I don't even know how many thousand we got. We found a way to be able to push those into one sort of email area. And then they divvied them out the way they, they needed to go. So I think I think the forced um, way that we had to find a way to do something always brings out the best in people. Right. So I think mm-hmm. having all of this happen to us. We didn't just put our fingers in our ears and la la la, you know, people said, Okay, let's fix it. And I think right. it brought out a resiliency and I was really proud to see that with my team. And I know other CPOs were proud to see that with their teams. They worked hard, but they got a lot done.
0: Are there any processes that that came out of your team's response that you're going to keep?
2: Well, that that's certainly the one where we got the inquiries we're going to keep because that was extremely successful. We also, like everybody else, we uh, went to telework
1: mm-hmm.
2: for about, I guess it, I wasn't doing it, so it's hard for me to remember, but my team did telework completely for probably three or four months.
0: Right. And it's a long maybe, time.
2: Maybe five months. And then they came back partially. So right now I still have... Uh, They work Monday, Wednesday, Friday, one week, Tuesday, Thursday, the next week. So everybody's at 50 50. And I actually see that. I think that we may move to a permanent. We found out we don't all have to be here at the same time. We found out these meetings do work online. We found out a lot of stuff that fear surrounded, you know. Yeah. Anytime there's change or fear about what's going to happen, they're not going to do their job if they're at home. Yeah, they do. Yeah, they do. Because you have a way to keep them accountable. You know, what do you have to do for the day if it's not turned in or the week or whatever it is? And I think that that taught us that we can operate in a different environment if we need to. And why not look at it permanently? So now the state's looking at some different things we may do moving forward.
0: That was a major change for you and for every state. Given all those changes that people have been forced to make in this past year, what are some of the other big changes that you see being permanent?
2: Well, I still, I do believe that paperless will be permanent in many states. Some That's states a big have one. already gone that way. You know, yeah. there were several that they talked it on the calls that we have, the monthly COVID director's calls. Uh, that was one of the things that came up. Some of them were already paperless, so this was an easy shift. It was a little different for us. But now that we're there, I think that that one is, is definitely going to be permanent. Some of the um, digital government services that are not paperless, like we have things that our certification process for the office of supplier diversity, we've moved that into, we, we were still getting faxes. Yeah. I can believe it. So we have been able to, to convert some things we've been wanting to do, but did thought they were going to be more problematic. Yeah. And they weren't, but those are the main ones for right now.
0: Not just not problematic, but more efficient, easier. Yes.
2: Yes. Way more efficient. Streamlined. Yes.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Everyone's able to look at a document at, at one time from their home instead of having to pass it around. Right.
2: Yes. Yes. It's been very, I I really, and the team seems pretty happy with it. You know, I try to monitor how they're doing too because sometimes people working from home, if they don't have the social engagement, you know, don't do as well. There is that downside, right? You got to look at that too. Sure, Sure. So they've done pretty well actually.
0: Yeah, you know, you, you say you're a technophobe, but um, I'm starting to hear that you're actually pretty technologically savvy there, Roz. No,
2: no, it's all a farce. It's all,
0: Is she, it's I all put a, on.
2: Look, I was hoping this whole technology thing was just a fad, but it
0: looks <laughs> I'm just like it go may back. be
2: here to stay. So <laughs> I, have, now I have had people step in my office and I'll tell them, I don't know what happened. They're just like, Could Roz, just step away from the computer. <laughs> so that has happened. But yeah, I try I, I know certain things I've got to do and so I don't want I don't heard. want my group to fall behind because I'm not engaged.
0: Well, well, I'll definitely keep that as one of your quotes for the years. Uh technology here to stay.
2: That's right. <laughs> <laughs> a passing fad.
0: Yes, not a passing fad. So, what are you what's something that you're looking forward to this year um within Naspo?
2: I am really looking forward to having a a interactive engagement. Again, I'm hopeful by the annual conference, we'll be able to do that. We have still gotten a lot done. We've been able to do with our zoom calls and and teams meetings. And we've gotten a lot, you know, we've gotten all of our regular business done, but there, you lose something in translation. Sometimes I would, I am looking forward to being able to do something that's not virtual, at least a couple of times a year, if we can. But I'm also really looking forward to see how the state step out of this uh, 2020 uniqueness and see how they move forward. And and it's really shown me a lot of uh, innovation. There's different States that are doing kind of cool stuff. So I'm looking forward to see what else comes out of that.
0: Yeah. And, and, you know, with that, with stepping out of this uniqueness, what you call it, I really like that this uniqueness, I'm sure there's a lot of data that's been just aggregated that really you haven't, you guys haven't had time to really sit down and go through, right?
2: There's no way. And they're all in different, That that's the one thing about, we are not a uh, 100% tied IT state. So we still have, you know, big systems that are collecting data. So it'll it'll be a little while because we have to go through a lot of different systems to sure. look at some of the stuff that's being done. But we are trying to get there and we will.
0: Yeah. Yeah, of course. You have time. That is one thing that we all have. Hopefully is some time.
2: Well, if I don't, somebody behind me will. So it's Absolutely. all going
0: to happen. <laughs> Absolutely. Another good quote. Another good quote. So, Roz, with all the changes that you are seeing, how does professional development look moving forward?
2: Well, I think that there's so many different things that have occurred over the last, what, 16 months or at least 14 from the Oh beginning. man, I
0: couldn't tell you now. Yeah. Uh,
2: I know it seems like forever. Uh-huh. I would I'd like to see maybe there's some areas that we could sort of focus and narrow down and get some. Some sort of training that's surrounding uh, emergency Mm -hmm. management other than just I know we have a guidebook, but maybe some training on on how to do some of the things that we've had to sort of do really quickly in the last year. Like, how do you work with emergency management if you're not a direct link? How do you look at some of the. some of the vendor pools. How how do we do that? How do we how do we make try to make sure we don't have somebody out there that we're trying we're trying to give money to who really doesn't have products sitting on the ground? How I'd like to see some training surrounding that that's ongoing. Because I don't think even though this happened to us last year, I, I still believe those things are important every year. You know, we sure. need to know that every year.
0: Sure. Well, and you know, you guys, I I know in Florida, you were managing several emergencies at the same time once because you had some very inclement weather as well at one point, right? So, so, so what is that, what is that, what would that training really look like? Just, I mean, give me the hundred thousand foot view what's in your head. Well,
2: for that kind of training, you know, there's, there's states like out West, it's more fires, I think forest fires like that. And we, the state of Florida, I, it was unbelievably blessed this last year. Every hurricane came, every major hurricane came within 60 miles of our coast, just about everyone. And we never got a, thankfully, never got a direct hit because we were trying to figure out how we're going to do sheltering and we're experts in Florida at sheltering, but we were already using that sheltering for COVID. Yeah. So how would we be able to do that? So I think, um, Sort of tying in maybe some of the ways that we do that kind of emergency procurement too, because I don't think there is a really, I'd love to see actually um, talk to Value Point about a solicitation for emergencies. There you go. Uh, because we do, we build shelters, we build base camps, we build pods, there's all kinds of, and that's not unique to Florida. Right. You know, a lot of states do that. So I would love to see a procurement surrounding that as well.
0: So Roz, before we go, do you have any advice for our listeners?
2: I would tell you if if you don't remember any other thing that I said today, remember to have fun. Life is too short to be serious all the time. Engage anybody you can in laughter because I think that even if you're going through a rough time, laughter, humor always helps. And I live my life by that. And I think that that's probably the best advice I could give anybody.
0: Humor helps. I like that. I like that. That's really good. And, and it's true. Every time that, every time that we get together, which hasn't been often lately, but every time I see you, you're always laughing or we're always joking. Yeah. It's, um, I
2: just think, you know, we get too, too serious about ourselves. You know, I just.
0: <laughs> procurement too serious. Come on. I
2: know. And that drives me nuts. <laughs> uh, and so There's no reason why you can't do your job and, and still have fun.
0: Have a good laugh. Have a good laugh at yourself and, and with others.
2: Not at others. There is a difference, Kevin.
0: Absolutely, yes. With others. Well, Roz, thank you so much for joining me today. It was a pleasure speaking with you.
1: You too also. Thank you, Kevin.
0: Well, Amanda, it's looking like an awful, exciting year.
1: It sure is, Kevin. It seems that Roz is pretty serious about advancing the CPO's spotlight and engagement at the statewide level.
0: Yeah, you know, the fact that not all... States were able to engage like she did during the pandemic, that must have been that must have been rough.
1: I agree. It must have been very rough. But it's also reassuring to see someone in a leadership role that's embracing that change and embracing technology, even if she's not super comfortable with it.
0: Yeah, I really I feel optimistic, not only for our association, but for procurement in general. I, I think it's gonna be a really interesting year following what was essentially not such a good year.
1: Yes, I agree. And I've heard a lot from different CPOs, not just from Ross, but seeing the things that they have gone through and mm-hmm. witnessing what they have been able to embrace and change so quickly on a moment's notice because yeah. of last year, yeah. I think it can only improve what they're capable of doing, um, not only this year in 2021, but the following years to come.
0: Yeah. Yeah. On a dime, right? No pun intended. Yes. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) I also like the notion of them, the relationship with the CIO improving and changing Mm -hmm. over time. I mean, I think that's going to be a really interesting thing for us to focus on this year.
1: I agree. Something that's very much needed in all the states, too, so...
0: Absolutely. If you haven't already, make sure you subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, or wherever you get them sweet listens. Make sure to check out the NASPO blog, pulse.naspo.org, and catch up on some procurement articles written by your very own NASPO staff.
1: I'm Amanda Valdivieso.
0: And I'm Kevin Miner. Until next time. Or whatever it is that you say. Oh, yeah. You don't have an outline yet. we got to work on that. You yeah, don't I don't a single, have it out. sign off.
1: <laughs>